was good. I wish I could do three things. One would be sing, two, play guitar, and the other is to have long hair and have hair, right? Or the other way around, whatever. I wish I could sing like y'all do, that's for sure. That, is, that was really good. Well, here we are. We're here a little bit early. I mean, it's a day early, and I'm glad that you're with us this morning. And I just thought, well, you know what? We're going to record this service. We might as well just see whoever wants to come can just come on and be with us. And we're glad you're here this morning. Um, definitely regret that the Swoo Singers couldn't be here with us this uh, Sunday. So, But mark it down on your calendar. May 1st, they will be here. And I'm excited that when they come, that I think everybody will enjoy them. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke. We're going to be in chapter 16. And I didn't think I was going to get to share this with you all this week, but I'm going to after all. And this is one of those passages that is, I think, is just one of those passages that actually is amazing because I remember several years back, in fact, I think it might have been 10 years ago, I was substitute teaching in a class and... There was a lot of discussion about the Lord going on, and I was doing, it was a history class, and what was going on is we were doing a survey of all the religions. This was in the sixth grade, and so they were in the section of the Christian religion. I think I've told some of you this before, and what was interesting is that the author of the textbook nailed in three paragraphs what it takes us 52 weeks a year to sometimes, I hate to say, fail to explain about Jesus. But it was amazing, and it was almost like it was inspired text. And, and the reason I'm telling you this story is that the kids were just really moved by the idea that the Lord cares about everybody and even the poor. And so we even talked about how God cares about all races And we talked about how God establishes equality. All of these things were going on. And and I had a diverse class, and they were just amazed at God's love for them. And the reason it was so powerful is because I had the thought to share this passage with the kids. But I thought, well, I'm not going to do it. It was time for the kids to get on the school bus and go home. I just thought... You know, my role is to set an example. I don't need to be preaching at these kids. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you that the rowdiest kid in the class raised his hand, and he said, Mr. Usselman, he said, can I, can I say something? I said, sure. And he said, I was reading the Bible last night. <laughs> he was the rowdiest kid in the class. First thing I'm thinking is, You? Um, but, uh, but he said, I was reading the Bible last night and I read this passage about the rich man and Lazarus. Whoa, I'm, I'm still, I'm about got goosebumps right now talking about it. I'll never forget it. That was the passage the Lord wanted me to share with them. And I said, go ahead and share it. And I'm telling you, he laid it out word for word. You know what happened? As soon as they got to the part where the rich man went to hell, those kids asked me, they said, why did he go to hell? I said, he didn't care about the poor. 
When I said that, that whole class got up, came up and grabbed hold of me. And I, I'm, I, I even led a kid to the Lord that day. And it was, the Lord was moving so thick with the kids that I had to, because their school buses were there, I was literally having to kind of almost push them out the door or they were all going to be missing their rides. The Lord is always on the move. He's always working even when I don't feel it or I see it. Didn't we just sing that? But anyway, I told you that story. So my, that's not really the introduction. The, basically, the introduction I want to share with you is another story, and this is from when I was in Indiana, and I was in a men's Bible study group. And what was interesting is that there was a man who showed up, and he told me that he didn't believe in the devil or hell. And I, 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 I was new in the Lord, and I was just really taken back. And so basically what I was doing was I was thinking, I'm going to fix this guy. I'm going to show him uh, that, the, that this is real, that you've got to listen to the Word of God, right? I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to show this guy. And so I opened up the Word of God, and I, I started reading the red letters of the Bible. Obviously, the red letters are supposed to be what Jesus says in Scripture in the New Testament. And I started reading the red letters, and I came to the place where uh, Jesus was talking about the enemy and talking about hell, and I'll never forget it. This man said, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't know where you go after that, right? I mean, if you don't believe what God's word said, but he said, I don't believe that. Now, let me just tell you something about this man. He was an accountant. He wasn't somebody that wasn't intelligent, right? I mean, he's somebody that actually was uh, very intelligent and was very shrewd, right? So when he said that, I really didn't know what to do, but he was telling me that of the church that he went to, he had bought into a doctrine, right? He bought into a doctrine, and what he was doing is he was believing his doctrine over what God's Word says. I always tell you all, I know we're Wesleyans, but you know we have a doctrine, but you don't ever trump God's Word over what our doctrine says, right? So this is something that I think is important because the love of wealth misleads many. And the reason I'm connecting this is because I believe there are doctrines out there that many Christians have bought into that wealth is a sign of God's blessing in their lives or wealth is a sign of God's favor in their lives. And what it looks to me that is happening in our passage is that Jesus is establishing with the Pharisees that wealth is actually a tool that God has given them to manage on God's behalf. Interesting thought. You see the difference. And, and so why this is so important is because the Pharisees, if you remember last week what we were talking about, is the Pharisees were lovers of money and not lovers of God. Remember that? They loved money. In fact, what the Pharisees were doing is they were actually committing idolatry. And if you think about what idolatry is, it's basically taking maybe the word of God or taking the, the, the no, revealed knowledge that we have of God and remaking it so that it favors what we desire instead of what God desires. So like Roy was just saying about heaven on earth, right? His kingdom come, his will be done, right? So, and, and, and it was true 
If we are ever in a disagreement, we do the will of God, whether we think we're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. We do God's will because we are submitting to the Lord. We don't remake what the Lord has revealed to us in the word of God just so that it will suit our needs. And this is what it seems like the Pharisees were doing. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read verses 19 to 31 in chapter 16 of Luke, and I want you to think about how wealth misleads as we read this. And this comes after some other uh, teachings that Jesus gave, and this is the reason that those teachings are in there. I didn't cover that, but the reason that those teachings are in there is because what Luke has done is he's revealed the idolatry of the Pharisees, okay? That's what he's doing. So I'm gonna look at verse 19, and I'm gonna read to 31, and this is what it says. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. That is some powerful scripture. So first thing I want you to see this morning is this. Love of wealth misleads because it creates barriers between people. Now, I really would like to have added to this point, I would, but it would be too long, but I want you to understand the concept of this. It creates barriers between people, right? It, it's creating barriers between people, but it's also creating barriers between us and God, too. And so what you probably should have noticed in this passage is that Abraham, or not Abraham, but Lazarus was someone who was poor, someone who was not valued very much in Israel, because remember last week I said, Israel during this time, they were very materialistic, and they, and, and they were also worried about seats of honor, Right? having the right people come and sit with them in their house and eat dinner so that it might elevate their statuses. 
they were, they were very concerned about all of this. And so what we saw with what Jesus is telling us is that Lazarus is laid at the gate of the rich man. Now, what's interesting, and I've told you this before, the word laid is an aorist tense in the Greek text. And what that means is he was laid there. We interpret it like past tense. He was laid there. But it's also communicating to us that there was a period of time, we don't know how long, we just know that he was laid there for a period of time, and he actually apparently became a blind spot to the rich man. The rich man didn't even notice him anymore, right? Because there's a barrier between him and Lazarus. And so the barrier then exists because there's a gate between he and Lazarus, in other words, he's not someone Lazarus would have had him come into his home to take care of him. He is laid out there, and what we were told by Jesus is that the dogs came and licked his sores, which I think I might have misunderstood that over the years, but that means that he was out there at people's mercy is what it seems to be making not that it's, it could have been literal dogs, may not have been, but whatever the case is, he's out there with nothing and no one cares. And the contrast is, because of the barrier, is that what you see is the rich man had all these fine clothes. You know, when we are so concerned about wealth, when we love wealth more than we love God and love people, we actually begin to develop these barriers between us and them, don't we? We actually get to the place where we no longer are concerned about people. In fact, you can see this in ministry very often because you can see sometimes it may seem like pastors, even they and I probably have been guilty of this in the past, we get off task and what we do is we start looking at certain types of people to be in church. The problem is it's the love of wealth. And while you're loving wealth like that, you've lost sight of the idea that God expects us to handle what he's given us so that we can do for others. That's why you and I have what we have. Whatever means that we have is to be employed into God's service. It's not to, meant to be a, a reason to develop a barrier between us and them. I mean, you think about it. The barrier, the gate that he had, you think about it, it looks like it, from what Jesus is talking about, it actually became uh, much like the great chasm that became fixed between he and Lazarus as well in eternity. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Love of wealth misleads because it makes us contrary to God. So it's an interesting thought. So the Pharisees, these are the ones that Jesus we might say in today's terminology, Jesus is triggered by them because they only care for money and they don't care for others. Jesus is triggered by them, and so what Jesus is doing is he's teaching them, 
intentionally, he's letting them know that even though they think that they are doing God's will, they are not because of their love for money. In fact, Jesus two times in this chapter, and I, may, I, I meant to look and see if it was any further up too, but at least two times in this chapter, Jesus has said something in regard to the law and the prophets. Did y'all pick up on that? So to many of us today, uh, in fact, there are a lot of Christians today, right? We, we don't even read the Old Testament anymore. We think it's irrelevant or, or whatever. We just think that maybe we should just focus on the New Testament, which is, you know, look, that's, everything points to Jesus Christ, right? Everything points to Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, when you're looking at the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, what you see is that God is expecting his children, those whom he says are his children, to do his will. And he says, and if you don't know my will, then I'm going to give you the law, right? So the first five books are really the law. In fact, you could go into Deuteronomy, and you'll see the law, basically the second law, the, the law in a nutshell from Moses' perspective, obviously. And what you find in the law is that each child of Israel was supposed to take care of the poor, the foreigners, the widows, the orphans, all of the needy. In fact, you see it played out over and over when God is blessing a town like Bethlehem, right? We've talked about this in the past. They're being blessed while the rest of the world starves because they're taking care of those four groups of people they are actually taking care of them. And then if you go to Matthew 25, you know, and I keep saying this to people, and I say it at school when I'm talking with teachers, having conversations, Jesus is not going to ask you if you believed in him. He is going to ask you, or I keep saying ask, he's going to tell you that you either did this or you didn't do this. And what he's concerned about is whether or not you took care of those four groups of people. And so what Jesus is telling the Pharisees is that even though you have the word of God and you are actually reading the word of God to people, even though this is actually taking place, you somehow, because of your love of money, you have been misled and now you find yourself in a contrary position to God because you're doing nothing the Lord has asked. And so then, Israel did this, right, going back to Israel. So you know what God does is he sends prophets to them. And what these prophets were supposed to do, when you look at the prophets, they're calling Israel back from their love of things and wealth. He, they're calling Israel back to trusting the Lord with what they have and to, again, giving to the Levites, the poor, all of the needy. It doesn't matter. They're supposed to give everything, the first fruits, to those whom God said give the first fruits to. But they don't do it. This is what happens today with a lot of Christians, right? Somehow, because of all of the doctrines that are out there, within our, I guess, our tribe, with all the different doctrines and different ideas of God, 
somehow, just like the Pharisees, right, we can read our Bibles and yet have a love for money that makes us contrary with God. In fact, didn't I just tell you about the man that came to our prayer breakfast, right? Loves the Lord. Just loves him so much. Just talking about Jesus like, like I mean, you just think when you hear him talk about Jesus, you're like, man, this is, a, this is a guy we have to have at our church because he loves the Lord so much. But yet he didn't believe all of Scripture. Why? His love for something else we would call idolatry. His love for wealth may have misled him. I do not know, but we know this. He was making up his own religion like the Pharisees were. Let's look at the last thing I want you to see. Love of wealth misleads because it creates false security. (laughs) We're just going with what the Word of God says here. You all see this, right? We are literally, hopefully, just repeating God's Word to everyone And I'm just telling you that what's happened in this section that stood out to me, and I actually got this from another scholar, and I was just amazed when he mentioned one thing, and then I just saw it all over the map, and it's this. The Pharisees believed they were children of Abraham, didn't they? Which then would make them children of God. Look at what um, the rich man says to Abraham while he's in a place of torment. He says, Father Abraham, didn't he? This is stunning. So when this guy mentioned this, I'm thinking to myself, this is really it for us Christians. We have to be aware of this because when he says, Father Abraham, what he's saying to Abraham I am your child. In fact, he thinks because of his love for wealth, like the Pharisees, he thinks that Lazarus, did y'all pick up on this, that he should actually come serve him now. Did y'all pick up on that? I mean, this is, so go back to what you said, Roy, with the on earth as it is in heaven. How many Christians do you know right now that do nothing that God tells them to, but think that when they get to heaven, all of a sudden there's a big change over them and they'll start doing everything right. We don't see this here, do we? In fact, it looks like because the rich man had his own agenda and he had his love for wealth, and even though he may have been very aware of God's word and might have even gone to do temple worship and into the synagogues, He was disconnected from Abraham, wasn't he? In fact, the Bible says there was this big chasm between he and Abraham. 
And Abraham says to him, he goes, look, son, even if I wanted to come over there, I can't. Which then what I hear is, look, son, you're really not my son because I don't want to come over there because you're not like us. You took all of your comfort in that life that you had and cared nothing for anyone else, and now you're in torment. But the rich man still doesn't get it. I believe the rich man thought he was secure because he was a child of Abraham. This is one of those head scratchers, right, that Jesus gave to the Pharisees. If you don't believe it, if you could go back in time and tell the Pharisees, tell one of them to their face they're not a child of God. Let me tell you something. It'll go down when you say something like that. It about goes down now. If you've ever challenged somebody who has no fruit in their life that demonstrates that they are rightly connected to the vine of Jesus Christ and you question that, have you ever noticed they get very angry at you? So Jesus is telling them, you have a false sense of security to think that you're rightly connected to God if you're ignoring the law of Moses and the prophets and not caring about doing justice to those around you with what God gives you. I think the final thing that really blows my mind is this. I would think that if I was in torment, I'm going to be turning it around and desiring that I would have done things differently And I would have said, I wish I had loved my enemies more when I was alive so that I wouldn't be here. I think we would all think that we would think that. But the problem is, because of his false sense of security, his mind was made up that the only people he cares about are his brothers. (laughs) How's our evangelism doing? Who do you evangelize? Right? This is a real challenge to all of us, including me. Because if I'm really a child of God, my mind is thinking not of myself and not of my love for the wealth that maybe I have or not have, but it's about making sure that everyone hears just like the kids in the classroom heard, which is what really triggered them to want to know Jesus, is that Jesus loves everybody, and we can prove that he loves everybody because what other God cares so much about those who are needy than our God who commands his people that if you love me, you'll obey my commands and you will take care of of my sheep, which include those who do not have anything. But if you love wealth, you'll not pay any attention to these people. I hope that you notice that we're not talking about tithing to church, right? We are talking about taking care of our neighbors 
with what God has given us. That's what we're talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. So if you're someone this morning and you're thinking about this and, you know, Jesus never misses, maybe you're thinking, am I one of these people that may have fallen in love with wealth a little bit more than I should? Well, you're not alone. It keeps me up at night with you. I'll tell you what I do. I look for opportunities to make sure that I can demonstrate, did you hear that, demonstrate that I don't have to hang on to whatever's in my pocket if I see someone that is in need. I don't care. I don't care if it looks like they're too healthy to be holding a sign. I want to be found faithful with what God's given me. What's God going to do, spank me for giving it away? No way. Because whatever I'm going to give, God's going to replace, and then some. If you're somebody who feels like you have a barrier between you and people this morning, you know what you need to do? You need to intentionally knock that barrier down. Knock it down. And that means take action. Just take action. Start looking for the opportunity to give. If you're somebody this morning that might think, well, I, 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 I read the word of God and I I'm, I'm feel like I'm doing well and I, I, I'm, I'm tithing to the church, but are you giving to others? Is tithing the limit that you do? Is that all that you do? Are you taking care of God's children? Because if you're not, you're being contrary with God or to God. I want to be found in unity with what God's word says. I want to be found by the Lord being faithful with what he's given me. I want to love the Lord, not what's in my pockets, right? I don't want to be misled by what I may or may not have in my pocket. And if you're someone this morning who says, well, none of that matters, pastor, because I've received Christ as my savior, be careful. They were circumcised. That was the sign that they were God's children. Do you remember this? But real circumcision is going to take place in the heart. And that means the heart should be oriented toward the Lord. So if you're really God's, then you will always embrace his word and do what it says. Even when you don't feel like it. Can you imagine this morning with me what it would look like if most of the Christians that we all know, if we were all more generous to those who are in our communities, can you imagine what kind of difference that might make for a lot of the kids in our communities this morning? I look back on those kids who just had an experience with Jesus in that classroom and I just wonder if what's happened to them is that they have fallen out of church now because of so many Christians seemingly loving the wealth that God has given them. I just wonder with all that they got with that story of the rich man and Lazarus when they said, we really do 
love God if now that hasn't been changed in them in the last 10 years and they've given up? May that never be because of us. So right now, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know where you're at this morning. But certainly this is a challenge even to me as a pastor that I could do better myself. And I know what a challenge it is. But if this is a challenge to you like it is me this morning, ask the Lord to open up the door so you can demonstrate there is no barrier between you and others. If you have to carry an extra $5 bill in your pocket, just for the opportunity to give it away. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We're grateful, Lord, for your word this morning. We are amazed at you, your teaching. Lord, I would ask, Lord, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that's struggled with anything that I've said this morning, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them through the Holy Spirit. Let it be your words, Lord, not mine, that is resonating in the hearts right now. Father, I pray that you would help us to be found faithful. I pray that we are a group, Lord, that is demonstrating our love for you by doing what you've called us to do, and that's to care for others, Lord, and you. Now, Father, I pray that you go with us now and keep us safe. Bring us back again Wednesday, if it's your will, Lord, and Sunday for us in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.